All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number two hundred and twenty. Uh, I am your host Vince. Over there is your host Phil. Hey. And in this episode, uh, we are taking a look at the um, well, the musical production. Although it, you know, uh, anyway, at the at the at the at the musical Come From Away, which recently was available to, uh, to be viewed on Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus, rather. Um, so just a sort of a heads up. This will you know this. Show will feature some conversations about 9/11, as it is the t- the 20th anniversary, and uh, the show deals with that particular su- su- subject matter. So, if you have this on in the car with your kids, I mean, good for you that you have kids. But um, this might not be the best episode to play with little ears around. So, just a bit of a heads up before we get started. Um, and also, I want to remind you that if you're not subscribed to the podcast, that you should do so right now. Make sure that you are subscribed. Uh, try and leave a rating or a review. We really uh, would appreciate that. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Three Drinks in Pod. You can like us on Facebook. You can uh, send us sponsor offers to Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to T Public and check out our merchandise that you can find over there. All right. Okay. So, so 9 11. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's no. Easy way. We're a little late on this. I I just gotten the idea to do this after I I watched this with my wife. Um, I think it came out on September tenth on Apple TV Plus, which um, which is an excellent service. I have to say, I'm really surprised with the quality of uh, of programs that they have there. Like it's you know my kids love the new Snoopy show that's there. It's really really good. Um, Ted Lasso, of course, is fantastic. We just started watching that. We're in the middle of season two right now. Um, and they just like, they have a lot going on there. And somebody on uh, YouTube was talking about it, uh, in a, like a, a review of the Apple September event where they like, you know, where, where they announce all the, um, their new iPhones and, and things like that. And you were saying that like, what I didn't realize when I first heard about this was that, they weren't going to try to compete with like Netflix, which has like a bunch of crap that almost nobody watches. And then like The Office for a while and now Seinfeld for a while. And they just have a massive catalog of stuff and trying to cast the widest net possible. And that's not what it appears Apple TV Plus is trying to do. What they're trying to do, he says, is, is, complete, is compete with HBO which has much more sort of niche, high-quality programming that they're, you know, that they can just dump money into to either buy or to create. But they're not looking to put out all kinds of stuff. It's just, you know, looking for relatively high-quality, well-funded projects with um, with sort of big-name stars. And, I, you know, I don't think I've seen anything on Apple TV Plus that was necessarily bad. I mean, Greyhound was there. That was a good movie. You know, Ted Lasso is fantastic. I mean, I, I you know, we, we should do a whole thing about that when 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 the season's over. But um, yeah, it's just it's a very solid um, offering of uh, things, and it's broad enough to to appeal to a lot of people, and not too broad as as to be like overwhelming with choices. You know, I, I think a lot of them are moving away from that Netflix um, design ethos of just burying people in stuff um 
I think people are getting away from that, especially as things start to splinter and, and things that you would watch and binge on Netflix are disappearing and going to the, everybody else's personal networks like Peacock and Paramount Plus. And so like, I'm not, I'm not going to sign up for 10 of these things if they all have a million bajillion shows because I don't have that much time in my life to watch them. You know, I mean, few people do. So it's better to hook people with something that's like, you know, worth watching and, and good. And H, HBO, I think, is the king right now because they got so many great movies. They got great television shows. So that's tough to compete with. But, you know, after that, I, I say Hulu and, and Apple TV, like those are better than, than Netflix. Netflix is like pumping out sludge. Yeah, it's just it's like drinking from a fire hose. It really is. And it's been nice that they've had like Star Trek available. We could watch that whenever. But you're right. Like now that's going back to Paramount and it's going to live there. And yeah. um, the problem with Apple TV is that it subscribes to the same Apple BS that drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> What's that exactly? Do tell. Like I, I had an Apple login. I, I got it free from where I, with where I work. And then at some point I got logged out. I started borrowing yours. Don't come after me, Tim Cook. <laughs> and and the process to sign in was so cumbersome. As if I'm some sort of hacker from the Netherlands trying to like beam it out to everyone in Europe and steal cable. Like, dude, what is the problem here? So it shouldn't you're... require my firstborn and a pint of blood to log into an Apple product. <laughs> Drives me nuts. So by that you mean two factor, rather two factor authentication. Make sure everything is capitalized, and make sure you have a special character somewhere. And you know, well, that's common enough. Most websites I I sign up for now require me to have a letter, a number has to be a certain length, one capital letter. Every time I want to watch a TV show, why am I randomly signed out of this? That that I have no idea. How come every time I buy a song on iTunes, I have to do that, even though I just bought a song like two minutes ago? You see, I don't have that problem. Just stop. Just stop. I don't have that problem. I'm never going to do this. Because I have an iPhone. So it just scans my face and goes, oh, hey, Vince. (laughs) (laughs) So here you go. What happens if you get in a car accident and you go through the windshield and your face gets all scratched up and your family can never get anything of your data because uh, you died horribly (laughs) (laughs) and Apple hates you? Apple, that, hold really your uh, so if you die peacefully in your sleep, do they hold your lifeless corpse up to the phone to unlock it? Yeah, that's what they do in movies. You know, when like they knock out the henchman and they just drag his hand to the screen, <laughs> yeah. the or they cut off his thumb, and they. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like that. Uh, do we I have enough it. of him from the pavement that we can get his phone unlocked? <laughs> There's a passcode too. There's a backup. How do you think we we've all been dealing with going shopping with our lists on our phones? We have to enter in our passcode because the mask won't, you know. And that yeah. that, that was a big thing that they, that they were trying to do, or they're trying to um to predict with the Apple uh, um thing just this past week was that like the iPhone 13 will will scan your face even with a mask on. I went that doesn't make any sense. Like it can do it with sunglasses because sunglasses only cover like i don't know 25 percent of your face whereas like the mask covers half of it so if you, if you can't 
see half of someone's face, and got, and if they're wearing glasses that fog up because of the mask, well, then now there's just like the forehead. And my forehead looks like every other white guy's forehead in North America. They just treat you like you're some moron, and I can't stand it. because <laughs> you can't do it right. That's not their fault. It is their fault because they don't trust me to do it right. <laughs> so they basically take it away from you and then call you an idiot. Anyway, they've got programming. <laughs> Actually, you know, I don't really know if that's true. I only watched a few things on it because yeah, well, I couldn't sign in to watch the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to watch Mr. Corman the other day and it was like, nope, you're, you're not watching it. Oh, is that a, a, was that, that the kind of sad sack um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt thing about being a teacher? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I live that. I don't need to. I know. I want to see I, if they got it right. Oh, they never get it right. So you regret the things that I regret, <laughs> most likely. Anyway, let's talk about um, something more upbeat. Yeah. This yeah. Play, right. <laughs> to be fair, the play is a beat. Yeah. So, all right. Um, just to set the stage for those of you who don't know, Come From Away uh, is a Canadian production, the uh, longest-running production. Uh, can- Canadian musical of all time, which I guess is a thing, um, and it uh, centers around the um, not well, the events of nine eleven, of course, but specifically the the people living in the town of um, of Gander, Newfoundland, which I've always said Newfoundland, but they say it Newfoundland in the uh, in the show. And what had happened was that after um, the planes hit the World Trade Centers, and Basically, U.S. airspace was shut down. Any inbound flight were flights were diverted um, to other places. Uh, so I'm not sure how many how this happened in places like Mexico because I didn't do too much too much research. But I know that um, God, I want to say uh, Vancouver took in I think the most number of people. And then um, a couple other places, I mean, like one other, but you know, but that's very the very small town of Gander, seven thousand people took on thirty eight planes. And what's interesting about Gander, I found out, and they mentioned this in the play too, is that they're so far out in the Atlantic that they used to be a giant refueling hub for planes traveling further into the United States from Europe. So if you were going from London to Dallas or somewhere in Florida, you would you know you would fly land in Gander, re- refuel, and then be on your way. But as um, te- technology changed, airlines or airplanes didn't need to use Gander as a as a refueling station. So there's there's this giant airport in this small town that was basically you know massively underused. They had. You know, yeah, they said that a few times. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes by quick, but so, and I kind of wanted to set the stage for for for, pe- for people who you know may not may not have seen the uh, uh, the play yet. But um, so all of a sudden, they take on thirty eight plan planes and like seven thousand passengers deplane after a while, and you know, basically double the size of this town for about a week. And the the show is basically about how everybody in the town is Canadian. And as such, they're the nicest people on the face of the earth and, and just the w- way in which that uh, 
you know, these people get on in, in this town in this week during this unbelievably uh, tragic event. Um, so what do you think of Come From Away? Um, it was okay. Uh, I didn't realize it was... I didn't really realize it was a musical because I didn't know anything about it. So it was like just just this play that they have on. on I was like, yeah, okay. It's about nine eleven. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 was my sales pitch. Was it's this play about nine yeah. eleven that we're watching? It's great. And I was like, oh, okay. But it's you know, it's not really about uh, the event. It's about the people in this town and the people who got stranded there, and how like they have to adapt to these extremely remote nice Canadians and it's musicals. So they sing, um, they have a very, very small stage with a bunch of chairs and like every character plays five, every person plays like five characters at a time, depending on what outfit they're wearing. They just throw on a jacket, they throw on a hat. Um, they change the accent that they have and you just sort of just like, you accept that. You go, oh, okay. Now he's the Canadian. Oh, now he's an English man. You know, so they all did a very good job with that. Like their accents were spot on, you know, like the, like the guy playing an English, an English visitor was also like this long suffering husband of the woman who takes care of the dogs and animals on the island. Yeah. At the ASPCA. I, for, yeah. I forgot who else he played. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. He was good. Cause like, he, you know, and not just him, everybody, they wouldn't slip into the wrong one. Despite how fact, you know, despite how fast they were changing characters, yeah, you know, and like the guy who played the mayor also played like the local drunk and a bunch of other characters, and like he never he didn't slip either because the Canadian accents are so ridiculous to us that it, it's tough to slip into all these different different things that are so different. Yeah, you know, so they all did a really good job with that. Um. And there's a woman I work with who's like the, the theater director at school. And she was like, it's a really good play that shows you how much you can do with so little. Yeah. You know, when you have 12 chairs on stage, you can be on a bus or a plane or you can separate them. And now you're stuck in a coffee shop and things like that. You know, like you don't need big sets and you don't need, um, you don't even need tables half the time, you know, things like that. You don't need tons of props. I, I thought it was interesting that they have like the the round the rotating yeah the the revolving uh floor which if, yeah Hamilton if you recall from that. Hamilton yeah they had the, 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 in Hamilton's they had two there was an mm -hmm. outer ring and an inner ring which I thought with, with with Hamilton like you know you're building up to the end when he gets shot because it's the only thing anybody knew about, about Hamilton before the play was that he got shot in a duel and isn't that weird that they used to have duels and the dual scene, which of course the show builds to for almost three hours, is just breathtaking. And they utilize that um, that, that 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 rotating stage to give you the sense of momentum. When a you're on a stage, you're not really going going anywhere, and b you're just going in circles. <laughs> so just the, the tension gets ratcheted up by that use, and it's just it's a very effective thing. Like. I actually knew somebody who um, was married to a guy who worked on Broadway as a, I'm not sure what his job was, but he worked with the sets. And he's like, basically, like, 
you know, she told me like they don't do anything anymore. They kind of, like there's stuff that they have to physically move. Like there are runners. That's what it's what they're called. But for the most part, they design these things to be automated to give it such a seamless effect of changing things that like nobody. It's it, it's almost it's rather it's almost cinematic in the way that they do it. Whereas, you know, high school plays, which is what this reminded me a lot of, do a lot of physical manipulation of scenery and, and, and props just just to kind of move you through, through through the play. The one thing this had going for it was that uh, that, that stage floor. Uh, I thought the music sucked. <laughs> oh. The music sucked. It felt like such a high school play. One song bled into the next. I was like... It's not that the lyrics were in bad because they were funny. The show is primarily a comedy. Yeah. But every song felt exactly the same. I was like, we're, oh, we're singing again. And then they sort of like waited it out. Well, they My wife looked at me and she's like, you don't look like you're enjoying this. I'm like, I'm waiting for them to stop singing. Well, the thing about this music is that it's very much, a you know, a, a Newfoundland, you know, inspired um, score it's it's basically Celtic you know this this area was settled by or it was inhabited at some point by a lot of the of the Scotch Irish that left Great Britain and um, so that's so that's the kind of music you're you're going to find in this place and so that's that's what, that's what, what they used the problem with that music is that you either love it or you don't. I'm a little bit in between. I do like the um, the sort of percussion elements to it. I can't think of the name of that drum, that drum the Balrong. The, they showed you at the end when the oh, band yeah. came out to play. Like I like that particular drum. It's fun. It's got a lot of energy to it. And the songs do have tons of energy. Um, but they do have... They, they are very similar. And they... I tell... I, True Irish music lacks a melody. It just plays the same thing over and over again until you pass out. These songs, I felt, did have structure and melody, but their core had this sort of Celtic influence to it. And you know, I'm not surprised to hear you say that you didn't care for them because well, that's a, uh, not your cup of tea. Well, yeah, but I mean, even beyond that, like they, they didn't seem to have much of a hook. I, I can't remember any of them. Like nothing was memorable about them. The lyrics weren't particularly clever or inspiring. Um, well, they they're not just, designed to do that. Plot. They were just yeah. plots being sung. So, so that got old when you have you know fifty songs. Yeah, but I mean, like this is not quite as much as Hamilton was an opera, but this is very close to it. There's not a lot spoken in this. There's certainly you know way less than like your traditional sort of a Cole Porter or Irving Berlin type show where it's just like you know the it's the it's the talkie scene see and then we move on to the song and dance number and you know out comes Bob Fosse and then it's not that like set piece after set piece it is a very sort of relentless hour 45 there's no intermission this just runs straight through and um you know, as a result, you you need to get information through the plot, you know, uh, uh, through through the songs as well as plot and character, and it all kind of it's sort of a mishmash. And 
I'm not sure that that's a bad thing, but like you get some of it spoken, you get some of it sung. Um, there are hooks I feel that do stick in my head. The scene, uh, the rather the the line, you know, you are here at the edge of a moment. I'm not going to sing it, but that <laughs> that break from the relentless driving Celtic tone to something more traditional and sweeter and slower and sadder stick you know that part st- stuck in my head more because it had a melody because it was different from, from the rest of it and my son is really into this the song about um the pilot when she uh, talks about learning how to fly um i remember that song because the woman was screaming she's yeah she's 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 a belter yeah. She's definitely so. And a friend of ours, of my of, of my wife's and I, is actually good friends with her. Her name is uh, Jen Colella, and um, she can sing. I I felt that she, she she has such a strong voice that she does a lot of belting with it in, in that song specifically. I I wonder how I don't know that much about the history of the show. I wonder if that song was um, put in there after the fact. Because she was the most famous person in this show, which my wife commented on right away. Because right away, it's fun, and everyone's really good and funny. We're looking at it and going, wait, who are these people? We've never heard of any of them. And, you know, my wife is very, you know, read up on musical theater. And so we're like, what is this? Like, she had the chance to see this show years ago and didn't do it. She was like, it was between this and something else. I think it was between this and Dear Evan Hansen. And we'll talk about that a bit later. And she's like, I don't know. I'm going to pay so much for the for the tickets. And it's only like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> she was looking at it like getting the most bang for her buck, you know, time-wise. And so she, she didn't go see it. I think she regrets that slightly because she, she really enjoyed this uh, this production. But, um, but I, I wonder if that song wasn't written for this character because, hey, we got, you know, this person who's, you know, who's pretty famous to come sing it, give her a, you know, a vehicle moment, like give her a a moment in it to shine because it kind of doesn't fit into the rest of the story. Like it doesn't not fit in it certainly, but like it's just her on stage singing this song for five minutes. Well, she's the only one who gets that much backstory. Yeah, she gets more uh, than most. You know, based on a real person, the, the pilot really was was this kind of person, and and a remarkable person as the as the first American, um, you know, airline captain, or the female female airline captain ever. She's she, you know she's the first one, and this was her like one of her last flights was on nine eleven. Uh, yeah. Oh no, 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 her 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 last flight was back to Gander to see everyone. To see everybody, yeah, but but she was, she was the only character who had that much backstory. Yeah, like I know that the, the, all the other characters were based on other people, but they could—I mean, they're not—but they could have just been like an amalgamation. Like, there's the gay couple, there's the New Yorker, there's um, the foreign guy. Like, they could have been anybody. Whereas this one had a really specific story to her. Yeah. So like even when the, like that song was going on, I'm like, wow, they're spending a lot of time with this one woman, and then she started like screaming as she sings. I'm like, oh, that's why. Okay, yeah, she's the Adina Menzel of this <laughs> of this play. You know? Yeah, I mean that's that's just what Broadway is doing now. 
I mean, well, it's very popular. It's very popular, and you, like, and Lin Manuel Miranda is changing that, um, because In the Heights doesn't really do this so much. There's belting in In the Heights, um, but the whole show has energy that's that's through the roof, so it's not out of place. And Hamilton has some belting, but it also has a lot of rapping, and so that influence is now making its way. Um, into the whole thing but yeah this is you know you have the belting you have the Irish music and you know it's it's kind of love it or hate it and if you're really invested in in the story and I think it's easy to get invested in, in the story because it is such a remarkable story that I that you know un, unless you have a real you know, I think it's fair to say you do like you're you really prefer your music to you know you if this isn't your cup of tea, it's gonna bother you. Like you can't get it out of your head. Whereas, like with me, it's not my favorite kind of kind of kind of kind of, kind of music either. But I can kind of put that aside to my head and sort of enjoy all the emotion coming out of the performers, which in this case is, you know, in droves. <laughs> it's just legions of emotion yeah. coming out of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Irish, I don't. I think the Irish stuff didn't bother me. There's just a lot of it. I I liked it. It was it was a good show. I don't know if I'd yeah. see it again. What did I, you think? I really liked it. You know, I I had no expectation. I kind of knew what it was about. Um, I was really amazed that, like, it, it had completely escaped my attention in a way. Like, and I, I, I can't recall the last time I saw a Broadway show, and I used to go a lot. My wife has been to you know, countless shows at this point. She has a friend from college who comes, uh, well, she lives in New York now, but she used to live in Wisconsin. They, and she would come in from Wisconsin and um, she'd just get a hotel room somewhere in Times Square at like, you know, like a Days Inn or someplace that's not fancy, but isn't, you know, they give you like a little eight by eight cube with a shower and then you sleep there. And my my my, my wife would go down and stay with her and they would see in a week six shows because you'd you just kind of run around trying to get tickets to this running and if, if if you've if you've been savvy with this you you can do that um so she really misses this <laughs> and so watching her watch this show and being so affected by it was was you know it was sweet and i felt yeah, so that, that rounded out some of the emotions so there was a lot happening in my living room when i watched this show that i think m- might have colored my opinion about it slightly because my son now likes some of the songs from the show and she he asked to, to hear the plane so the 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 pilot song in the car and i'm like god she really is yelling a lot of this she's just you know and she's on key she's 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 not like i think adina menzel is is not good with the belting like i i, I hear frozen maybe three times a day if I'm lucky, that's it. And when she hits that note that it's just, that that song is famous for, it runs through me like it did the first time. Like it's just painful and awful, and I can't stand it. Her voice is ugly. It's not a it's not a nice sounding voice. This lady has a nice sounding voice that she uses with tremendous volume. To the and you know it's it's what they pay for. So this is what you know this is what, you know what you do. But um, 
as far as you know the singing goes like yeah there's a lot of belting but i also think that like that to me sort of sat in the back like i didn't pay much attention to it because the ensemble is so special and is so talented and is not something you see very often you know no, true ensemble is just not present there's just it's not there you know if you if, if you're going to put up a broadway show you know more than movies now by a long shot i think you need to have a star you need to have so the, the star can be a broadway star it can be a tv star or a a movie star who's doing you know a broadway show or the you know the writer or, or you know or the play itself could be but like it ha- there has to be a thing this had no business being successful at all because it lacked all of those things it didn't have a popular you know, it didn't have a you know a story people really wanted to hear like nobody really wants to go see a play about 9-11 certainly not in 2017 you know we, we were too much worried about trump back then you know to you know think about 9-11 so it wasn't on on our radar per se um, Jen Colella was a, a famous enough person in the Broadway world, but not really. She's no Adina Menzel or Bette Midler or anything like that. Um, and you know, the, no, nobody had heard of the playwright or anything. And yet here it is, and it's fantastic, and it got tremendous attention, and you know, was was nominated for for uh, for best for bleh, for best best musical and that that had no business happening it's just but it's on the strength of the ensemble working in truly as such i mean there's there's shows that have big casts like hamilton has a giant cast and they do have guys playing different parts but this is you know people working together like a swiss watch in the way that a real ensemble like a tight ensemble does and um it was a joy it was absolutely a joy to watch. So, hmm. and the Yankees just lost. Sorry, totally <laughs> got sidetracked. They just—I can't believe they lost. Fuck. Uh, anyway, but uh, but yeah, no, I I I thought it was it was great. I really did. And I, we were just on like we don't know who any of these people are. They're all fantastic. How like how is that possible? We haven't heard of anything, any of this. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch enough plays. I don't like watching taped plays either, but I don't see a lot of theater the way that you guys do. So like, I wouldn't have known them from a hole in the wall, but I don't know anybody else from a hole in the wall either. Yeah. You know, like even when Hamilton was getting big, I, I didn't know because I wasn't in that universe. So like, everyone's like, Oh, you should see this play. It's about Alexander Hamilton. It was where he raps. I was like, okay <laughs> it's just like is that what they're doing now is that like the thing and it wasn't it was its own thing and it blew up and was a big success but as far as i knew there were 10 plays like that i didn't i didn't know the difference yeah. so like when they say like this is the longest running Can- canadians show from broadway i'm like <laughs> and i'm like okay did it have a lot of competition i don't know is that like their money where it's sort of like uh, yeah it's <laughs> sort of like, worth less do they have their own Broadway? I'm sure they do. Doesn't every country have its own set of stuff? Um, <laughs> they had professional theater, to be sure. Um, I, I actually believe that this show's uh, f- 
a premiere as it is was um in Ireland of all places in uh at the at the Abbey Theater in Dublin Ireland and then later went to um uh oh no I'm sorry I I, I have that wrong no it 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 it, it came to Broadway first in in, in 2017 um here's a question what would you rather watch would you rather watch a filmed production like this or like Hamilton or, and and like Hamilton or any of the musical movies that have been made in the last few years? Probably any of the musicals. It's just like the like the the, the, the straight up movies made about like uh, like yeah. this or, or or like the new West Side Story. You'd rather right? Like I I'd rather watch like the musical like when they they make it a movie. Now they're not usually any better, but I don't blame the play for that. Like I noticed in this play that there were certain shots where the camera was on the stage and like moving between the actors, mm-hmm. which Hamilton didn't really do that much or very rarely. I don't remember. No, it, I, I'm going to, I'm going I'm I'm to, I don't remember. <laughs> it, well, it did. They actually came back and they edited together a performance that was filmed and then they came back and filmed scenes without the audience with the camera on the stage and then spliced them all to make it one one oh, so like you you wouldn't you wouldn't see that stuff if you were in the audience mm-hmm. you know and then certain so like those feel like little cheats and then there are jokes that I'm sure I would have laughed at if I was sitting in the audience and I kind of was like huh like sitting on my couch but if I'd been with a group of people, you know, that laughter is infectious and I, I would have laughed a little harder and I probably would have enjoyed myself more. It just, it, there's just like that remove is very rough. I don't, know. I don't really like, even with Hamilton, I was like, this is great. You know, what a great show. But I was like, I'd rather be watching this in person. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, well, yeah, of course. That would. So I, I don't want to watch like, it's like watching it through a VHS with bad static to me. Yeah, it's certainly reminiscent of like the you know when I when I when I was in plays in high school we 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 get the copy to watch it we, you know we terrible it's just two static cameras pointed out from either side of the uh, of the yeah. house. But but I don't know I actually I I don't I, I, now now that I've asked the question I'm not entirely sure that it's a fair one because I don't know if I should have compared them but i guess i'm just surprised how much i've enjoyed this like not being able to go to a show f- both for pandemic reasons and for the fact that it's expensive and a little bit farther away from me than it used to be um it uh i don't know it's, there's something about this that i've really enjoyed like i didn't think i was going to like the hamilton one having actually seen hamilton as much as I did, and I really felt that they did a great job with that, of conveying all the things that you feel sitting there, even though you can't see. So, like, you you need to have the cameras on the stage just to get you that much closer to what you're doing, because nothing is like being there. But we're going to give you a little bit t- of a taste of 
more emotion that you can't get through your TV screen by putting a camera right up in front of one of the actors' faces and allowing more emotion to leak through the the medium. Um, and so that 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 I actually found help helpful, especially insofar as that it was very limited. Like they didn't do it a lot. They had a little bit of it in Hamilton um, for some specific stuff. That was I forget what they did it but here too it was very very rare that you got that particular but i also felt that they, they had enough cameras in there and they were changing positions and they were very quick cuts when they needed to be it wasn't ever static it didn't feel like it was that that you were missing something because you're watching a film production it just felt that like it's different than watching a movie you know, like I didn't feel like I was missing a whole heck of a lot. The, the 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 laughter thing was fine, but like watching this with my wife, she she is an is a whole audience into in in and of herself, and the fact that she was so, um, it, you know, engaged with it. So I felt like I had enough <laughs> in the room with me to sort of like kind of grab onto coattails and and laugh when it was funny, and then you know get get weepy when it was sad. Um. And she's fun to watch these things she's these these things with because she's just so she's so involved it's great but um but I don't know like i i I actually think that you know because the quality of musical um cinema has been relatively poor lately, I think I'd rather watch something I know is good if for no other reason than the people in it are going to be better you know i I always think of. You know, lame is. You can't throw a dead cat in Times Square without hitting somebody who could have played any one of those parts in lame is better than the people who were hired to, you know, sing in lame is. I mean, Russell Crowe. Come on, I mean, and 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 Anne Hathaway did a nice job, but like, that's always the thing that bugged me about those movies was that there's, there are, you know, dozens of very talented reasonably well-known actors and actresses who could use the work <laughs> give them the job you know but they really feel they can't sell a movie musical without having names in it it's like the last sort of genre where we know we can't do this we got to have somebody famous in this role whereas like most other shows right now it's just all ip and that's also what mu- musicals are it's existing ip you know, like how much bigger do you want the opening of Les Mis to be? You know, like you're not going to get in more people to go see, a, you know, an opera called The Miserables by putting Hugh Jackman in it. <laughs> That's not going to help you all that much. But they're they're convinced that they can't open these these movies without a star. And I I get it, but your your well, product suffers so much. These these. I don't. I mean, I don't know how to adapt a musical and make it good, um, because I mean they don't ask me. But like all these musicals <laughs> that have come out recently, all have some huge, tremendous flaw, right? So like I watched four minutes of Cats before I wanted to gouge out my eyeballs. Ooh, you made it that long? Uh, yeah. Well, I really wanted to see Taylor Swift. For reasons I won't get into, but <laughs> well, you're watching it and you're just like, why did they make these sets and these costumes and things look like this? What were they thinking? <laughs> and they're like, well, that's what the play like. 
no, 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 no. But this is the movie. And the same with like Les Mis. Like, why did we hire people who don't really know how to sing and then do have them actually like, didn't they like live sing in that film? Yes. They weren't dubbed. Like, why would you make that decision? Yeah. <laughs> That's an odd choice. <laughs> and then, like you said, with Dear Evan Hansen, which is apparently horrendous, the film. They hired the guy who was the kid originally, and he's like balding. He's 30. <laughs> They're like, what were they? they hire a kid to do this. Yeah, no, that was, that was, yeah. So Dear Evan Hansen won the Tony that the year that, 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 that come from away. And we were trying to figure like, who, how did this not win the Tony? We're sitting there going, this is. This is so emotionally affecting, and you know it's so well done, and it's, and then we looked it up and go, oh dear, dear Evan, yeah, and so like teen suicide. I don't want to use the word in vogue because it's not the right word, but it's as it's a nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was one of those things where I, I was, I was trying to figure out why I'd never heard about this because living in New York and, you know. It, it's been an important thing and going to Broadway a lot and seeing a lot of shows, like I figured I would have heard about this and I just had no idea that this even existed. And why? Because Dear Evan Hansen came out and, you know, teen suicide is a big deal and a big problem and it's an unbelievable tragedy and that's what that show is about. And that, you know, that beat this, I think, across the board. Like It was just such a huge thing and it was... You know, and this is a way to get new people into the theater too, is to show them something that's very relevant to that. You know, young people are, are going to come, you know, and want to see that. Um, but last night when I went to go see Shang Chi or Feng Shui or whatever it's called, there was a, there were two trailers, one for um, West Side Story, which does look really good. Like just the way it looks, like the the, the the visual presentation of it looks fantastic and i have no idea if it's, if it's going to be any good but it looks fantastic and then there was the you know very long and sort of like super depressing trailer for dear evan hansen um and this guy just stands out like he's 47 years old or something like that and he's supposed to be playing a kid who's 16 and you know i don't know how old he is exactly but he you know he played the role a long time ago yeah did you so like i mean this isn't teen suicide so this one's about 9-11 and all the people that land in this town um but you and i live well we lived i lived in new york um and i my wife turned to me she's like i didn't think i you know at all about these people that were on planes and had to be diverted like we heard about them but we didn't know anybody personally in that because we lived so close to New York. We knew people in New York and in the towers and things. Yeah. So like, I was like, I had not thought of these people at all, but I was wondering what you thought if they handled nine 11 well, you know, because there's always this, there's this chance that you could like overdo it. And then your then your musical comedy is drowning in these really awkward tonal shifts where it's like, Oh, right. And the 3000 people that died nearby, like, yeah. So, so like, the, what did the, you the, think how they handled that? The event itself? Yeah, I mean, they didn't talk about it directly. There was a lot of just allusion, you know, alluding to it. 
you know. Yeah. Um, I thought it captured very much a disparate sense of the event that most of the people, with the exception of incidentally the two African American or I should say the two black. I don't know if they're African American at all. Um, they could they could be from from Canada. Uh, but the two black actors uh, in the show, the woman whose son dies, who's a fireman, and um, the guy who's you know who's humorously distrusting of everybody he meets until he calms down, um, they're both characters from New York, and the rest of them are from elsewhere, you know, uh, London and Texas and wherever else. And um, I felt that for the most part, their discussions of it were kind of spot on in a way like i remember when it happened i was in college and most of the people i went to college with were from the northeast so but like they were not from there like people like uh, you know that day cell phone service was really poor i would i'd be trying to you know i'd be trying to call home just to say hello on my cell phone and the lines were all jammed i couldn't get through and people would kind of see me and they would they because they knew I, I i was from new york or at least you know, we're close enough to the city that it would, you know, it was impactful. And they would ask me questions. Are you okay? Do you know anybody? And, um, but the way in which they talked about it as like, this is a thing we're all going through, even though we have no connection to this city per se. I thought that was pretty good. The one thing that kind of stood out was the, um, the treatment of the one character who was, um, I believe he was, the character was Egyptian in the show he was not middle eastern per se um but um i that it felt a little heavy-handed at times like we had to make sure that we pointed out that people were mean to people who were who appeared to be arabian and that, you know that kind of for political correctness sake we have to make sure that that was that's something that was covered in this production and uh, it it was handled pretty well because i'm sure that it that that'll that that it uh, that that it was true you know so i can't i can't say to them well that there's there's no way that that happened because i'm you know it's entirely plausible that that happened but um i felt overall when they touched on it they you know they did a good job not having people who were not from new york save too much and and then the people who were from new york who were you know impacted a lot by it had you know that woman had a really strong connection to the school teacher and then she gets the call that you know he's he's gone and she she you know she actually calls her and it's just yeah i mean i thought i thought it was it was good it was there in the background the whole time but it, you know, it didn't intrude too much upon the foreground. The foreground was about the people trying to cope with their their situation, and the other and the other people trying to help them cope. But it, it didn't take over the play, which is weird because it should. Like right, like shouldn't that become, you know, it just pops up here and there, like the song when she, you know, called, it's called "Me in the Sky." It ends in a in a really dramatic way, and that the story, the song is about her little you know biography about learning to be a pilot, and then the the adversity she suffers and the success she has, is and then at the, at the end of the song she says like the thing that I love became the bomb, and you know there's now something between me and the sky. 
and that's yeah I, that that kind of, that one song encompasses for me with the role the event plays in the story beyond the setting it pops up at the end it pops up in that kind of shocking way to put you in a, in a situation to you know to f- have you find yourself where you are i don't know that's that's a lot of thoughts what what do you think about about it no i pretty much agree it was there when it needed to be to move things along yeah. you know because i think a play of people showed up in our town we took good care of them they went home would wouldn't be enough you know you need that underlying current you need that reminder every so often that you know despite the wonderful time they're all having they don't want to be there and um they need to get back to wherever they came from and they need to get back there safely i I agree i think the thing with the egyptian guy and i'm and i'm not saying that didn't happen i will never forget so like i was driving to new jersey and i stopped to get gas this was like a week after 9-11 and i stopped at the gas station and every guy there wears a turban they still do they're like right down the street from where i am now and they were still closed they were closed because i'm sure they were all fr- you know afraid for their lives that people would show up at their gas station and shoot them in the face and i have no idea if they were muslim or or anything they could have been sikhs for all i know you know all i know is they had huge beards and they had turbans so i, I had to go to another gas station <laughs> but <laughs> it, it took them a while to reopen i'm sure yeah. you know did they suffer any discrimination after that? I have no idea. Hmm. Um, but so I don't the, well, think the, it the happened thing, as much as people seem to think it did either. Well, so yeah, I mean, so that's the thing about this is that like you can't not have something about that in a show like this because it takes place in the days following the event. And yeah, in the days following the event, there was some deep mistrust or rather distrust of um, people who appear to be physically resembling those that we know we know committed the acts. I believe a lot of them were Saudi Arabian, um, but not all. I I, I, don't, I, I don't know if all, you know top top of my head. Um, so it's one of those things where like you you have to mention it because it happened and it was part of the experience. And if you know, so much of this play relies on the truth of the uh, of the situation of the truth of, the, of of these people, such that like at the end of the show, at the end of the you know the production, and they they're they're rolling the credits. They're showing you the actual pe- people in photographs, um, the actors with their you know their their counterparts, and you know the actual people with each other. Um, you know, and it's it's all one to one. Everybody played. There were there were a couple amalgamation characters, but not a lot. You know, everybody who 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 was in this, who played a prominent role, was based on an actual human being. Um, and so yeah, that's that's part of the truth of the whole thing. And I'm sure that 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 person suffered some indignities in you know trying to reboard the plane to return. You know, was. Yeah, they said he was very physically, you know, very thoroughly strip searched in front of a woman, which is really difficult. You know, no matter what culture you come from, if you're going to be strip searched, you 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 prefer, you know, the gender you're most comfortable with to do that. And he didn't have that option. Um, 
That said, we don't talk about how there was not a giant, you know, backlash against Muslims in this country. And that's a big deal. And it's unique to the United States. There are places throughout Europe where, I know in Paris this is true, there are Muslim quarters, there are Muslim sections of various European cities that have welcomed people in from other places. They've applied for visas or they're just living there um, you know, as resident aliens. And law and order functions differently in those cities when it comes to certain parts of it because there's such a strong enclave of this of a particular culture. New York City has tons of neighborhoods like this. Chinatown, Little India, Koreatown. Um, you know, it's a little more gentrified now than it's ever been, and people complain about the lack of neighborhoods, and I can kind of feel that. It's sort of, you've, you've lost a lot of variety of New York. But at its height, you had Harlem and Spanish Harlem and all these places in Hell's Kitchen. Nobody was, like, so removed from the culture that, you know, the police didn't go into, to, you know, to, to your neighborhood to deal with crime. And so because we don't have that in, in this country, people are much more integrated, you know, you never had the sort of like backlash and segregation of people who were Muslim, people who were Arab. It just didn't, it just didn't happen. There was no, you know, there was there, were there some racist acts? Sure. But like given the scale of the event, you'd figure that a guy like Donald Trump would have come along a lot sooner to put, you know, to have, you know, get some kind of Muslim ban up and running you know, not 15 years later. I mean, think about that. It was 15 years later Donald Trump comes up and says, we're going to have a, a ban on, on all Muslims. And it's unfortunate that that was even remotely successful because it was like, there was a threat certainly from terrorists now as there, you know, as there, as there, all, as there always is, but like not like there was back then. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of less prescient or, or rather pressing um, in 2015 than it was in 2001. So it's just one of those things that just sort of gets glossed over. Like, yeah, there was no holy war after the fact. It didn't happen. You know, at least not here. You want to argue about things overseas, we can do that. But, like, I don't recall people burning down Muslim businesses or shooting them in the street or doing or doing anything like that. That 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 didn't happen. It, people were afraid of it or afraid for it. And I... I, I I get those guys who didn't want to open the gas station for a while until until things calmed down. Like I'm not saying that they weren't well founded in in their apprehension, but uh, it never happened. It never materialized like that, and that's important. And I think we we ignore that at our peril. <laughs> it's a you know. So. so, good play. Yeah, I mean, I you know I liked it enough. You were, what, what, what? You were a senior in high school, a junior in in high school when when it happened, right? Yes, I was a junior in high school. So you were in school when it when it, when it happened. Uh, yep, I was in Spanish class. What did they do? They, uh, CJ, my wife told me that like 
they made an announcement about it and like which one I'm not so sure was the best thing because kids whose parents worked there were kind of freaking out. I'm sure. But oh yeah, well, that didn't happen for us. I mean, the word got I, out. I could have that wrong. I, that's just what I recall. Yeah, like the we were sitting in Spanish class and the math teacher came in and told us like a plane hit the tower. And my first thought was like, you know, one of those like little biplanes, like the Red Baron kind of thing, like <laughs> yeah, a guy like... with a scarf. <laughs> you know, I was like, so Whoa. Snoopy. You thought Snoopy had hit the World yeah, Trade Center? Yeah, like Snoopy hit the World Trade Center. That's a bummer. <laughs> you know, I pictured like you parachute it out or something. And then like they kept us there for a while because some teachers who happened to have the TV that was strapped to the stand, yeah. you know, had it in their rooms and could put the news on, but. We're talking like three TVs in the whole building. Yeah. So everything else was just rumors and hearsay. And some teachers, because I still remember, it's like some teachers were like, all right, let's all just sit here and listen to the radio. And, we, you know, nobody knew anything except that another plane had happened. And you're like, oh my God, that's a big deal. And then like other teachers gave quizzes. Like I took a, I took a math quiz that day. And we're going to pretend like nothing happened. Mm. you know he was an old he was an older uh fellow so yeah and then like it was just you got in the car on the way home and you're like trying to crank up the radio like oh my god this is really serious it's funny the radio like it's just yeah and i did the idea of like quick turn on the radio the what yeah turn on the radio and then like was it abc one of them had their their radio tower on the tower and they were I, out for hours. I believe, so I, I know that the only station, the only TV station that continued un, uninterrupted was NBC, because NBC utilized either 30 Rock or the Empire State Building or both. But yeah, the other two stations, CBS and uh, ABC, uh, they, yeah, they, they used the, the tower on the, forget which the north of this or the south tower but yeah that's what uh that's what they had um my story was always kind of interesting at least i thought because it was weird but thanks like, so was mine not interesting well no, it was <laughs> oh okay uh, um but like i so no no one i know had my experience which is which i think was strange but like yours is not un, you know uninteresting it's just fairly you know common everyone in in the building went through the same thing you did but so I I got a call from from Dad at like whatever just after the first plane had hit, and so I had I don't know this is the first semester junior year of co of college, I had set it up that I had class at the same time every day of the week because that was one one of my things I learned about about myself was that if I have a class on Monday at eight and Tuesday at one, that, that's my first class of the day. I will not be doing that very well. I need to have more sort of, you know, a rigid schedule. And so I, I worked it out that all my classes had began at 10 every day of the week. So I didn't get up till, you know, I'm not getting out of bed before 8 a.m. And so dad calls me. He's like, you asleep? I said, yeah, what are you, <laughs> what, what's wrong? He says, they're flying planes into the World Trade Center. Go turn on the television. And that sentence just doesn't, it didn't make any sense. I was like, what? what? Yahoo Serious Festival. Like, it just doesn't compute. So I got up and I turned the TV on and I was, you know, we watched everything, just kind of sat there smoking cigarettes and my roommate and I. And um, I'm looking at the time. I go, well, 
I don't know. It's like quarter to ten. I guess I should go to class. Like, what do you do? Like, what do we do now? And I went down to class, and it was a philosophy of human nature. I want to say, like, I you know, I was a a philosophy major in uh, in college, and um, I I came in, I sat down, and I'm expecting like everyone to be like kind of wide eyed and freaking out and let's talk about this and class just proceeded as normal and it, like five minutes went by and then seven and then eight i'm like oh my god i'm the only one in this room that knows what's going on and there were 30 people in there with me and i'm like do i say something I, you know, like I'm thinking, what if somebody in here? Because like, yeah, everyone lived in most of the kids I went to college with, you know, lived in Pennsylvania. But certainly there were kids from New Jersey and New York, like us. And I'm like, what if somebody's dad or mom or aunt or uncle work in those buildings? I'm not. I'm not being that guy. Like, I was too afraid to tell anybody what was going on. So like class ended. I remember bolting, like just getting up and running out of the room the second the thing was over to run back to my my apartments and watched and see what, 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 what had been going on by then. I think both towers had fallen, but I had oh, the same teacher. What's that? No, go ahead. I, was gonna say, I had the exact same teacher for a different class in the afternoon. And by then, you know, she knew and everyone knew. And so we spent that whole day talking, that whole class talking about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the guy, they mentioned in the play that the people didn't really have cell phones. Yeah. And if you did, it didn't really work because, you know, all 60 people were calling one another on them. And so you only, and you couldn't go to the internet to get your news usually. So you just had to use the TV yeah. or the radio. And in college, I mean, even I went to college a few years after you. I mean, nobody used their television by then anymore. Yeah. I mean, because all you got were like local access channels. Yeah, it was just local you weren't, stuff. Yeah, I mean, you weren't going to sit in your dorm and watch, you know, Showtime. So nobody had that capability. And, you know, you were lucky you were in their dorm when, when our dad called because most people were out or they didn't have phones because of so, the phone service was so expensive in college. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I can still remember people going into the, the lobby of our high school to the pay phone to call their families and be like, is dad working right now? And yeah. you know, all the, we only didn't, had like two of them. Didn't, didn't our father have like an appointment there that got, isn't that, I remember that it was, he had an appointment yeah. that like the next day. Was it the next day? Yeah. On, the on, day on the, before the, the day after. Yeah. It got canceled or something. Like, I don't know. There was something, there was something I remember that like he was going, he was going to be down there around the time. And um, yeah, my wife's father was in Germany at the time. He worked for uh, for Pfizer, and so he was in, uh, in in Germany. He was he worked for he he's he's not a lawyer, but he worked for their their legal department. And so he would go around and um, advise. You know, he was the guy that made sure that the people working in the Pfizer plants were um, were safe from their interactions with the various chemicals that they were using to create their pharmaceuticals. And so he was in Germany at the time, and he was trapped there. He, he was supposed to come back, and he couldn't. I, I don't know how long he was he was stuck there for, but he was there for a lot longer. And um, we were talking about that after we watched this show. Or, you know, CJ was, was wondering, you know, was it better for 
you know, her mom knowing that her dad was in Germany and not in Manhattan. Like, it was stressful enough having him an ocean away and, you know, needing to fly soon to, to you know, to return. Um, but at the same time, like, he didn't work downtown, or not that far down. He, I think, I think the office he worked on was on, like, you know, East 40th Street someplace. But, you know, you couldn't get out of Manhattan. You know, I don't know what, it, you know, what, you know, I don't know what people... Like, like, there's so many different aspects to the event. And we we often focus on the people in Shanksville and the, and the, and the Pentagon and then, you know, in, in New York. And, you you know, you I don't know how people dealt with, you know, could you leave the city? Because they shut down all, all the bridges and, and tunnels. Nobody was getting in and out for a while. So, you know, you know, and then this unique story, of course, people who were in the air at the time. And there's just, there's so many stories about this because, you know, everyone was standing someplace different when it happened. You know, I and actually just, work, uh, you know, so go ahead, go ahead. work in a school, everybody, like, they'll ask me, like, do you remember that? I'm like, of course I remember that. Like, I'll never forget that. So, no. yeah. I actually just read a story. One of the Peloton instructors that, uh, my, you know, we have a, a Peloton bike and, well, I follow one of the of the instructors on, on Instagram. She's an older woman. She's a, she, you know she's not one of the like the twenty two year olds they hire for the for their looks in, in sports bras. And um, her husband was in one of the towers, and he he posted something on his law firm's like blog, and this is about how like he was on like the sixty fifth floor when they hear it when, when when in the I believe he was in the north tower. The south tower got hit first. And he, you know, he's standing there talking to somebody. He hears this horrifying noise. And they run over to it, like the office down the hall, and they're staring out at, like, at the other tower, going, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And then they just bolt and they head down the stairs, and everyone's trying to run down. And he says that, like, when, you know, the t- the when their tower got hit, he was far enough below um, that they were safe enough that they could get out. But he, he remembers, like, the whole at one point, the whole building shifted. Like, I kind of can't get my head around that. Like, the, these buildings were designed to move in the in the wind. They needed to. They were so tall. And their design, I just saw a thing on, like, the Cheddar YouTube channel, which was pretty interesting about how these buildings were designed and that they were relatively ingenious in in, in that way. But they, they had a lot of give, which buildings have to have, or they, or they just fall down. But, like, the whole building kind of shifted like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and then snapped back. And they all waited for it to come back before they could continue running out of the... But my God. You know, it's just... Uh, everyone's got a different story. But yeah, I... I don't interact with too many high school kids. I, you know, I work in a middle school, so like... the our, you know, Unless this day falls on a school day, which this year it, uh, it did not, we don't really talk about it. Um, but in high school, it comes up. I imagine more frequently, just because it's it's part of the curriculum. In, in, in yeah, some I mean, we 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 do a remembrance thing every year, and, and even though it was on a Saturday this year, we still did it on a Friday. So yeah, we we did. This Friday was also our first day of school with students, so there really wasn't an opportunity to. Um, it was like the first day was just or, orientations, and it was chaos, and so we didn't we didn't have that this year, but. Um, 
Yeah, no. That's, do you remember? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I was there. It's our Which thing. Is for me, because like they weren't born at this point. Yeah. yeah. Most of them were born 2006 or seven or something like that. So it's like, oh, yeah, you don't know what that's like. Yeah, I haven't worked with a kid who was born um, during this in a long time. It's, it's me. You know, anybody who was born on that day is in college now. Yeah. So. So. Cheery topic, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There's but, no good way to end this podcast. <laughs> I mean, if you like plays, you should watch it. Yeah. This is if you like plays, if you like musicals, if you you know, it's. it's it's certainly you know a nice offering that you know i don't think this play got its its fair shake i think that if this play had come out a little earlier i think if this play you know like in in looking at the offerings that were nominated for best musical at the time it was um it was this it was groundhog day and it was something called Natasha, Pierre, and the Great Comet of 1812. Like, the Tonys are weird in that there doesn't need to be a set number of um, shows nominated for best play or best musical. It vacillates. Whereas the Oscars do this now too, but they never used to. It was always you had five. And of these five, which one was the best? But, you know... Like Jason Alexander has a Tony Award, guy who played George on Seinfeld, and my wife heard that and she's like, "What the hell show was he in? He won a Tony in like 1980, whatever." And it was like, it was just a bad year for Broadway. Nothing really came out. It was a musical review. He played the MC, and there was simply no one left to nominate and give the award to, and. You know, but the, but this came out, you know, as, as this, you know, the same year as Dear Evan Hansen, which won, uh, if I can see, it won Best Musical, it won Best Book, Best Score. Um, no actors won, but like, you know, those are the, the kind of the, the three big ones. And I believe the person who beat Jen Colella for uh, Best Featured Actress in a Musical. Oh, was from Dear Evan Hansen. Never mind. <laughs> so there was, there was, there was that as well. But like, you know, Bette Midler also won a Tony that year. Like, it's weird. Like, it's a strange thing. <laughs> I thought she was dead. You know. Oh yeah, Bette, Bette Miller and Patty the, and Patty the Poem were up for the to say like, really? They're still performing. So, but yes, but the, so like, if Dear Evan Hansen hadn't come along and sort of sucked all the air out of the room. Not undeservedly per se. I haven't seen the show, but this really would have gotten, I think, a bit more attention um, than that did. So you should go check it out now. It's on Apple TV Plus, which is only five bucks a month, which is really reasonable. Like, yeah, that's pretty as, good as far as these, like, the cost of these things go. If you think if you bundle it with with Apple One, you know, it's like four. It's like it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Yeah. All right, anything else? I think that's it. All right. I hope so. It's depressing. Um, (laughs) So if you enjoyed this episode and you have thoughts about uh, this show or about Broadway or 
about 9-11 and you want to share your story, you can let us know on Twitter or Instagram at 3DrinksInPod. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. Um, you can send us emails at 3DrinksInPodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Try and leave a rating or a review. We'd really appreciate that. And check out our store at tpublic.com for all your Three Drinks In podcast merchandise needs. All right. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Yep. See you. Bye. On the northeast tip of North America, on an island called Newfoundland, there's an airport. It used to be one of the biggest airports in the world, and next to it is a town called Gander. Welcome to the rack if you come from away. You probably understand about a half of what we say. They say no man's an island, but an island makes a man. Especially when one comes from one like Newfoundland. Welcome to the rack. That morning, I'm in the classroom. It's our first day back, and the school buses are on strike, so I'm covering for Annette, who's running late. Sorry, Beulah. How's the kids? Not exactly thrilled to be inside on such a gorgeous day. So I told them we'd only have a half day this morning, and they were quite pleased. Until I told them we'd have the other half in the afternoon. Welcome to the wildest weather that you've ever heard of. Where everyone is nicer, but it's never nice above. Welcome to the farthest place you'll get from Disneyland. Fish and chips and shipwrecks. This is Newfoundland. Welcome to the rock, an islander. Airport Boulevard to get to school, and that time of day, people are in a little bit of a rush to get to work and stuff. So, normally, I sit there and run my radar. And if they're speeding, I'll stop them and write out a warning ticket. I'll write STFD. Slow the fuck down. Welcome to the land where the winter tried to kill us, and we said, We will not be killed. Welcome to the land where the waters tried to drown us, and we said, We will not. Be drowned. Welcome to the land where we lost our loved ones and we said we will still go on. Welcome to the land where the wind tried to blow and we said no. That morning I dropped my kids off at school and head to the SPCA where I'm greeted by my other kids all barking and meowing for breakfast and a belly rub. Not that I'm complaining, I love them. But by the time feeding is done, I got to get back to pick up my human kids. So I take just one second for myself, and I'm sitting in my car. I'm in the library. I'm in the staff room. And I turn on the radio. You are here at the start of a moment on the edge of the world where the river meets the sea. Here on the edge of the Atlantic. And she is waving at me like mad. So I roll down my window and she says, Oz, turn on the radio. Slow it down. Jesus H. Oz, turn on your radio. Where our story starts. It's my first day at the station. Where we'll end the night. I'm getting coffee for the picket line. Where we know my heart. Five minutes till my smoke break. Every single flight. I'm off to work at the airport. Welcome to the park. Welcome to the trees. To the ocean and the sky. And whatever's in between. To the ones who've left. you never truly got. In the window and the candle's always on When the sun is coming up and the world is coming short If you're home
On final approach, we're coming into runway 22, and I think, where am I gonna park this thing? <laughs>